In this podcast, we bring together fascinating people from far and wide to discuss the highlights from their career. My name is Alex Lobert, and welcome to the best job I've ever had. I always thought I could do it. I always, you know, you have that blind arrogance, right? That, oh, but when you're really doing it on your own and like you've got to literally grow something from zero to a million, you got to be gritty. You got to, you got to try everything being a part of the industry like helped in even like boardroom conversations with investors right i had to come from a place of experience a lot of business decisions are emotional and not just dollar sign i would rather work 80 hours on my passion to avoid working 40 hours in a nine to five on something i don't like This is a little sample of what I hope will be a really fun podcast. I go back almost 15 years with our guest on the show today, Pat Gibson. We became friends when we both attended Northwestern University. And even then, Pat stood out. He had a lot of confidence, a lot of swagger. He was creative and smart. You always felt he was destined for something unique. Pat has spent most of his career in music and marketing. In fact, he's been in the music game since high school. Pat grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and was part of a rap group called C-Zoo. In college, he started to focus more on his solo career, producing under the stage name p In 2011, one of his songs, Do It For Love, blew up thanks to YouTube. He estimates that the track has over 80 million streams across platforms. But Pat doesn't just create music. He also co-founded a music app called Rap Chat, which gives artists, especially those in hip hop and rap, access to a studio in their pocket and the ability to share music with a community of creators and fans. Pat was the chief marketing officer for the business and responsible for its growth. The app was no joke. It garnered over two and a half million dollars in investment and over 10 million users. Early in his career, Pat worked in account management for a startup called Intern Sushi and as a digital marketing consultant at numerous marketing agencies. In these roles, he learned the skills he would deploy at RapChat, like sales, and how to execute effective marketing campaigns. In 2020, Pat left RapChat to found his own marketing consultancy. Today, he works with companies all over the globe to help them grow their businesses. Pat is one of the most unique people I know. I can't wait to hear about his best job. Pat Gibson, welcome to the show. What up, Alex? Been a minute. Happy it to be here. It has been a minute. But it's good to see you. How about we dive right in? First question for you. What is the best job you've ever had? I guess I could say what I'm doing currently is the best job I've had. I mean, it's been a, a mountain of, you know, different jobs, career choices to, to get me here. But essentially, what I'm doing now is I'm, I'm working for myself as a marketing consultant. Enjoy the work I'm doing. Enjoy the people I'm working with. I've made the, the most money I've ever made, which is also a, a, a very um, key part of, of the question right there. A marketing consultant. Um, one, yes. you've done a lot of cool stuff. So I think this is uh, going to be fascinating for people. One, how you got here, but uh, you know why you chose that over these other things you did. But what, is it, what does it mean to be a marketing consultant? What's the day-to-day? 
Yeah, I mean, that that's a good question. I mean, marketing consultant's probably one of the broadest titles, if you will. I say marketing consultant because I help people grow, right? Whether that's sales, uh, sales through marketing, whether it's, you know, apps trying to get a user base, um, products trying to, you know, gain social presence. Um, that's, you know, my goal to help people grow. Um, but specifically for me, uh, I work mostly in social media advertising. So that's buying Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Twitter ads, Snapchat, TikTok, the whole, the whole world of, of, of paid social advertising. So uh, for me, through my experience, it's been, I think it's one of the most effective ways to reach your target consumer. You know, I guess I've, I've been fortunate enough to kind of get in to social advertising early. I mean, I've been doing it for shit. I mean, not quite 10 years, but almost maybe like eight or something. Um, and, you know, to kind of see that growth of, of Facebook and just paid advertising and social media in general over the past eight years, we'll say like for, for a lot of clients, it's oftentimes the you know largest chunk of their budget, marketing budget. So um, to kind of see that trend go over time where people didn't really trust social media, it doesn't really, you know, get you a, a return on your investment. Uh, how do you prove it from, you know, just building Facebook pages to now really, you know, directly targeting people with ads and making sure um, you're reaching the right person at the right time at the right moment. I obviously worked for some social media companies um, in, in my past. So is that undisclosed? You can't uh, un undisclosed. Gotta, exactly. Got a really big NDA. You got to the, the company formerly known as Facebook. Formerly. Uh, the power is there. Um, and it's so cool to see how have people that know how to use it and are able to bring that to bear for mm -hmm. a bunch of companies that don't. You're actually doing campaigns. Like you're actually creating yeah. campaigns, but I, like you're running your own business. Yep. That right. Too. I imagine it's not just the campaigns. It's probably, it's a lot of sales. It's a lot of, you know, marketing yeah. yourself. Like how, how is that? And is there one part of this that you like more than the other? Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, one of the, my favorite parts is connecting with whether it's an entrepreneur, whether it's a company client, whoever it is, um, understanding their problem, understanding their challenge, and ultimately like landing them as a client. Right? It's exciting. Okay, you know, let's 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 do this. Let's see how this is gonna go. Right? Um, for me, right now, like it, it's the best part is is being my own boss. I mean, actually, right now the clients are the boss, but different from my past agencies when you're working at a salary and you're overworked and you're like, damn, it's five o'clock, but I can't get off till seven. Like I don't make a dollar more. Like every hour I work is more money coming in. So like, that's something you're really motivated to work because, Oh, anytime, maybe it's something you don't want to do, but like, you know, in your head, you're getting paid for right. right. every I mean, minute you work. You are directly aligned to the success of this company, right? Exactly. Like, you know, like, Every client, every minute, um, right. where I think in a lot of other fields or a lot of other companies, you kind of feel like you're really working for somebody and like your effort is making them successful. Yeah. You know, working in companies, agencies, it was just like, there's just no, you know, reward system. Like there was times where I would bring in clients and it's like, oh, good job, buddy. Like you're making us money, but you're still getting paid at your rate. The exciting thing is like, I could double 
my income with one new client, right? Like, or, you know, get two new clients and triple it, right? Like, that's the ability I have, like the direct, direct control, I guess, of, of my own income. And it goes both ways, right? Hey, let's say I decide to take a month off or, you know, ah, clients, I'm, I'm going to end these agreements. Like, all right, like you're not making any money, right? And I don't have PTO, right? When I go on vacation, I'm not getting paid. Um, I'm taking time off. It's a double-edged sword, but it's, it's working out on the positive side for me. So you mentioned something that I want to, I want to double click on. You said, you know, obviously the clients are the boss. Yeah. Like that's a, it's a, it makes a lot of pressure, I assume, in picking clients that you want to work with. Yeah. I mean, so that here's the thing, like right now, like I am pretty stacked. Right. So like I can be picky, but like, you know, when you're starting out, you can't really be picky. Like you're anyone you can scrap and get. And oftentimes this is like, I think this is like an age old Adam. It's like always the, the client that pays you the least wants the most. Right. It's like, Oh, well we need this. And like, I kind of get it. Like, when I, you know, ran my own startup, like, it's like, we only have this much budget and we need every dollar to work. And then you're working for this big brand, big name, and they are just throwing dollars at you. Like, oh, we need to spend a million dollars in the next two months. All right, let's do it. Like, and you know, they're hands off, right? Like they're too busy to focus on that. So it's, it's tough. I mean, there is no like right answer. There's opportunities, I would say like, oh, this sounds like a really cool company. Like this is in a space I really like, I want to work with. And maybe the, you know, founder or whatever is a little like annoying. And like, let's say, you know, hitting you at like eight o'clock at night or hitting you on Saturdays and Sundays. It's more about communication and like having an expectation reset. But like, there's definitely some clients that are hands-on, especially when like, they might not know what they're doing. Like I've had camp yeah. or I've had clients try and like make all these changes in the Facebook campaigns itself. And I come back and I'm like, well, what's this? I would never do that. They're like, oh yeah, I went through, wait, I thought I was hired to do this. Like I right. would never do this. And then it's like, shit, like, even though that's wrong, they did it. And like, they got to know that. And so it's like, almost, you got to, you got to finesse communication. It's such a, tricky dynamic when clients get in the way of their own success. Right. Yes, like, it is. Tricky is, <laughs> is very accurate. Right. There's like some mental judo that has to happen and you've got to be able to like kind of incept them, like probably almost like teach them along the way. Like exactly why you are the expert, why the things you are doing are most effective, you know, cause they're like, I can do better than that. I started to come to they think. Right. 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 Yeah. You know, so, a lot, a lot of people think they can do it all, but th th that, that brings a good point. Like, you know, there is the level of expertise, right? Focusing on the job and the job only. Hey, but this is what pushes a lot of people over the edge to decide to work with me is a lot of business decisions are emotional and not just, you know, dollar signs. And yeah. so when they're able to feel like they can trust you and that, like, you know what you're saying, you're authentic, you're empathetic, right? Like I can empathize with your situation and you can just have general communication. You want to make them feel secure and safe in their investment, right? You are their investment. So like whether you're checking it, you don't got to check in every day, but like being proactive to be like, Hey, I built this report. Um, I'm seeing this, just wanted to check in with you, let you know, 
Um, oh, okay, awesome. That makes so much. Hey, I wanted to let you know, here's some changes coming. Wanted to educate you on them. Like a lot of times they come or pick me because, you know, it's almost like, oh, they would like to have a beer with me, right? Like if you're able to have a beer with someone and have good, interesting conversation and not just direct to the point, some people prefer direct to the point, right? But, yep. you know, a lot of times it is get your job done, but also be able to deliver it in a pleasing way, right? And make yep. them feel secure and safe in, in their feelings about you. So. No, ab- absolutely. All right. How will we uh, switch gears for a sure. little bit? Because one, I want to talk about a little bit how you got to this point. Yes. Right. It's been a journey. You, uh, you have done some, some stuff that honestly is aspirational for, for many folks. You started your own company, which ended up being pretty damn successful. A music app that helped break into probably an underserved part of the market, which was hip hop sure. music. Yep. And then like you were a musician yourself, like you were an yep. artist and you were an artist since you were, I don't know what, like high school. Shit. Yeah. High school. I mean, a, a rap artist since high school, I was in a band, I was all that, but an official artist, I guess, since high school. Yeah. Like let's talk about rap chat. And cool. I'd also love to spend some time talking about your time as P. Cool. So, yeah, I mean, I was I was rapping in high school and, you know, producing, mixing all of that. And, you know, a big thing about rap artists is hustling and trying to get your music out. Right. And so at this time, you know, MySpace and, you know, these digital platforms were first emerging that you had to figure out how do I get more fans? How do I. So I was thinking like a marketer then we're, we're doing shows, right? We're trying to sell tickets. We're, you know, coming up with flyers, artwork, digital, printed CDs, all of that, right? So I was marketing when I didn't even know it. Um, and we met you in college at Northwestern and I was still doing it then, right? A little bit more on the digital side. How do I get mm-hmm. featured on these blogs? How do I get, you know, myself out there. And so when it came to graduation, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I joined a startup and the startup was a internship hiring platform for some of the sexier industries like music, sports, tech, film, fashion. Right. And so I thought it was a cool opportunity. I was doing business development. My job was to get the coolest companies to use our site to hire interns instead of whatever their own internal processes. So that was cool. Like, I mean, I got on like a Warner music, I got billboard, I got um, us soccer. I'm a big soccer fan. Shout out us for getting a tie last night versus Mexico. We're so close to getting to the world cup. Um, the startup ended up not working out going under, didn't achieve the dreams he wanted to, but it was a great experience Wore so many hats. But then it was like, damn, now what do I do? I could look at other startups, but not too much seemed interesting. Um, But I was really fascinated about the way social media was growing. I was using social media to build my music presence. So I joined a digital advertising agency and joined the social team. And so at that point, that was the first time I was exposed to the paid side of Facebook. I had done some ads a little bit as P. Hala, my, my, my rap name, but... Not, not to the extent uh, as an agency was doing. And so it just blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, like, why isn't everyone doing this? And the social team at this agency was two people. And the search team was maybe 20 people. The, you know, it was such a small part, but I had to basically handle it myself. So 
ended up working in the agencies for like two years or so, leveling up, joining different agencies, exposed to a lot of different clients, a lot of different work where I was able to learn all the things I'm doing now, like at an accelerated pace. Um, at the same time, I kind of slowed down on my music, but, um, one of my buddies at the time reached out to me and he had this idea for an app called rap chat. And I was like, Oh, what? Like it's a studio on your phone. You can record and you can send it to friends. And I'm just, my, my mind's racing. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you could do this with it. You did. And I'm just pitching him all these visions. And like soon enough, he would, it was more of like an informal advisor. I was, cause I actually had some startup ideas on my own that I was working on. Um, but I, he just would, you know, call me like every other day and we would just talk through all these things. And at, at a certain point, it just became clear. He's like, hey, man, I need you to join. Like you need to you need to be my co-founder. You need to like run this with me. And so we went all in on that. Um, <clears throat> I ended up quitting my agency job. We moved to Silicon Valley, got our first chunk of investment, went through the accelerator spent like a year trying to raise money, like grimy startup life, like really, you know, not having any money at all and just getting it done, just making it work. And we were able to raise a little bit over a million dollars, then raise a chunk more and then more and more. Um, and that was an awesome experience. I mean, I always thought I could do it. I always, you know, you have that blind arrogance, right? That, oh, I could do this if I want. Right. Like, but when you're really doing it on your own and like, you've got to literally grow something from zero to a million, right? Like shit, like you gotta be gritty. You gotta, you gotta try everything. So we got to a point where, um, we raised money. We had a chunk we could finally spend on marketing. My background was Facebook ads. Right. But before we had no money to spend on Facebook ads. So it was all organic growth tactics. How can we build our social media presence organically? Um, but so now I finally had a chunk to, you know, run some ads with across Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. We did some Twitter. Um, and that was really focusing on the creative, the videos we were working with, the messaging and the audiences we were working with. And we were able to resonate like the, the product spoke for itself. Everyone's like, oh, I want a studio. Oh, I can do auto-tune. Like, oh, I can send this to my friends. Oh, is this a way to get discovered? Oh, there's a competition with this famous producer. Like the product could sell itself, but like making sure we were reaching the right people efficiently, that was key to our growth. Um, but we were able to grow to like 10 million users. And unfortunately at the time we didn't, we were all free. So it was a free app and we had no premium monetization in it so we were bleeding money and so that led to a point where um you know we had to make difficult decisions and basically cut the entire team retool uh, my partner's running the app now and they've done a great job with it they've um got some monetization and they're starting to grow but after that point i was like huh like what am i going to do now took took a couple months off working at a startup for five years is exhausting um, but took a few months off and I always knew that I could help other startups grow. Um, you know, I was the chief marketing officer at RapChat, And so kind of reached around the local community here in Columbus, worked with some startups, um, you know, was able to really like use, use the internet and my, my network globally 
to find clients and opportunities. And I had some in India, some in Dublin, Ireland, some in uh, Belgium, uh, Mexico City, Argentina. So like it was, it was cool, yeah. especially with the pandemic happening and all that, like the power of remote work and Zoom, right? Which we're on now and how like you really don't need to be in the office. So like remote marketers became a, a pretty big need. Um, and yeah. like, that's what I'm doing now. The journey is always so fascinating. Uh, cause I feel right. like one, obviously some of it was planful. I think you always had, I mean, again, I've known you, gosh, Pat, we met, uh, like 15 Since years ago. It was about 15 years ago. It's wild. 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, (laughs) but you know, again, like I, I knew you and, and yeah, you were always hustling and thinking about obviously your music and how to make your music successful. Um, and then, you know, it sounds like obviously you had the dreams to do that in an entrepreneurial way, uh, and rap chat blended those things together. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Cause it's like, damn, this is the dream. Like, like I was, I was like thinking like, you know, when I'm hustling and rapping in high school and my mom's basement and people are coming over, I'm like, if you would have told me I went to Northwestern to just do the same thing I'm doing now, essentially, which obviously was different. I wasn't a rapper, but a rap entrepreneur, right. That was like almost more important to my success than, than Northwestern or whatever. Right. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because a job is still a job, right? Even if it's your dream job, right? That's the, it's work, right? So like, you know, there's glamorizing of like certain occupations or like, even for you, like a music guy, oh, must be like sick to work at Spotify. I love Spotify. I use Spotify all, all day. Okay, yeah, me too. But that's not what I do. I don't just sit on Spotify all day. So it was interesting because like my like rap career, like, I could have fused it a little bit with rap chat, which I did to an extent, right? Like, I mean, especially, you know, that experience and in that, like being a part of the industry, like helped in even like boardroom conversations with investors, right? I had to come from a place of experience that like, yo, I am a user of this product. I know this industry. There was a struggle where it was like, it's not, you know, there are creative things you do through work but it wasn't my creative safe haven right like like to find time to create like sometimes you're like to make and focus and work on my music like in my head like I really like I knew I could like still release music but I was like I don't have the time or energy like any like work I'm doing has to go towards rap chat and not my music so like I would use it as a creative outlet but I'd stash all these songs so that's what i've got like 30 plus songs right now that i was like all right i'm gonna make these songs but i'm gonna stash them because I, I can't focus on releasing and pushing them now i will eventually um but that was something i kind of had to shelve um which was interesting and then the other aspect of it was like i felt like which this was had its good and bad, but like, I felt like I was always on, right. It's like, okay, nine to five, or, you know, especially in a startup wasn't nine to five, but you know, your general eight hours that you're expected to work. Right. And then after that, it's like, okay, you know, going and networking, right. Oh, um, here, 
showing up at these mixers or an industry event or, hey, there's this concert or show. We need to see if we can get in with this artist. Right. And so like that could go till 2 a.m. And you're out and about, you know, moving and shaking. And then like you got to, you know, still show up to work the next day and and finish that marketing plan. Right. And so that was, you know, that's part of the exhaustion, but like working at a startup, like you are, your startup is your life, right? Like there's a saying you work 80 hours to avoid working 40. I would rather work 80 hours on my passion to avoid working 40 hours in a nine to five on something I don't like. There is a balance. Like, like, you know, it's, it's not all rainbows and feathers working on something you love, but it was something I was passionate about and that fuels your, your, your work. And, you know, you hope that comes out in every, you know, whether it's pitching an artist, pitching an investor, pitching someone you're looking to hire, right? Like you're constantly pitching as a founder and you need that enthusiasm and passion to bleed through because that's what attracts people. And that's what, you know, people want to work on something they're passionate about. And if, especially if the founder's not passionate about it, then like, why should I be right? So, right. That's amazing quote. We work 80 hours to avoid 40 that, you know, yeah. that, that puts things in perspective. Right. Crazy. But so I'd love to spend a couple minutes on your other thing, which is Pihala. Pihala. You are a, a rapper. You've been a rapper since, uh, you know, a part of groups since you were, mm-hmm. you were pretty young. You actually had one song kind of blow up. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it has what, over 8 million Spotify, on Spotify, yeah, I think it's like eight point something mil. But yeah. yeah, like I mean, across like hundred might be aggressive, but like probably around eighty million like streams across all platforms. Unreal. So, do you think of that as a job now? Yeah, yeah. Because okay. like it's just like I do it all on my own. Right, I make the beats, I produce, I mix. I'm in my. You can't see it here, but I got monitors here, monitors here, monitors there, monitor there, foam like. Um, like the, the, the beauty part is right. The song creation, right. The process of making a song. And so it's like, I enjoy the mixing process because that makes it sound good and the creative things you can do, you know, within a mix to like stand out. And so I really enjoy that process, but like, it's pretty daunting. Like after that's okay. I have a song, I've made a product, right. The song is my product. Okay. Now I need to package it. Right. Okay. I need to figure out the artwork I'm going to do. I need to find, you know, a designer to do that. Oh, I, maybe I want to do a video to, to present it. Right. Okay. I need to hire someone to do a video. Okay. Now I got to come up with a marketing plan. What date is it going to go live? How am I going to tease it once it's out? What pieces of content do I have to push it and sell it? Um, and so it's like, it's a job. And so like, that's part of the reason I, I still have a lot of music um, stashed up and haven't I don't want to say gotten to releasing it. There's some songs I have like right now that it's like, I just need to come up with an art piece of artwork and schedule it in my distributor and drop it. Um, But it's like, I'm just so absorbed with the work I'm doing now. And like, I I work with other artists a lot too. Like I'll produce their albums or, you know, some have singles and like, they'll come and rent studio time here. And it's definitely a, a way lower hourly rate than my marketing consultant. I, I enjoy it, but it's like, it's getting to a point where it's like, man, it's just like some of the music I don't like. Like I, I love, you know, working with artists that like, obviously I like their music, but then a lot of times it's a job where it's like this singer that 
can't hit these notes and I'm just sitting here for two hours on my Wednesday evening when I could be either out with my friends or just chilling on my couch, exhausted, watching Netflix, right? Like things I could do. So um, right. it's interesting. Like I'm, I'm, it makes money, right? Like it's, it's, I definitely, it's not a lot, but it, but a lot, it's a lot more than a lot of artists make, which is like, I'm grateful for, I cannot live off my music. Um, it'd be awesome too, like, like just spend a year, like cash out on, on like sell the consultancy business, sell rap chat, whatever it is. And like spend a year just making music and see like, how, how does this go? Um, but, uh, yeah, it'd, be, it'd, it'd take an investment to, to do that. So it's, yep. it's just like any other. Yeah. Did, did you ever try to get signed? Did you ever try? I mean, that's like the so, label model, right? I'm going to invest well, in, in artists. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, you don't try to get signed, right? Like, like, I mean, I guess some, you know, if you get a manager or something and like, they really want to push you and take all these label meetings and they're trying to get you signed. Right. I had a, a, like Sony music, the European division, like reach out to me like in 2012 and wanted to sign me. Um, I've had like independent labels reach out to me and like the way their model works is like they see i have that this hot song that's still streaming and getting you know income and they're probably calculating that income on their own and they come out and reach out to me with an advance offer right hey we'll give you ten thousand dollars for 50 percent of your catalog and it's like wait like this song makes you know more than that a year and you want all that, like just for $10,000 and they're, you know, they, I don't want to use the word pray or take advantage of, but they are hoping that you as an artist need money to further your career in this 10,000, which it probably could, can do a lot to produce your next project. That is like a seed investment that hopefully sparks another hit. Right. And then that'll continue and do that. And so for me, I've, I've gotten those offers, but like, I don't need cash infusion to do that like um i had you know i had more than 10k to throw at my music but like it's i can't hire anyone really with 10k but right and and it shows the probably the importance of having you've got another you've got a few other jobs right you've got your consultancy (laughs) you had rap chat you had things that was able to provide you with capital to do this and so you've got to do the the stuff that makes money yeah. In order to be able to try to invest in stuff with a longer term payoff. And that's right. a really hard um, dynamic. And obviously that's why labels do have things like advances and why they exist. But um, it still is, it shows the power that you probably have as an artist with other revenue streams. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it's crazy too. Just the music industry is just such a different industry than anything on earth. And it's like, music doesn't make sense. Like just as a giant, it's art, right? Art doesn't make sense. You see these paintings go for millions of dollars and like, it's like, what? Um, Whereas like, you know, the song, my song, do it for love. That's got all the streams. Like, I don't think it's my best song. I released it in 2012, right? Like uh, 10 years ago, shit. Like that's when I first made it and I'm such a better artist and the mixing and the production quality is like so much higher. And I've got other songs that, I think are better, way better. And other people agree. Right. But it's like, 
They don't have near the streams as that. That one just hit for some reason. Even when I made it, I knew it was good. But like, I think I made like a five pack little EP. And of the five, if I had to predict which one was going to blow up, that wasn't one I was going to predict, right? I knew it was good. I liked the beat, but I just, you know, I was like, oh, all right, you know, it's, it's a good song. But like, for some reason, it just took off. Took off. People love it. And it's something you, you can't predict, right? And so it's something you can't like force, right? It's like, oh, did you ever try to get signed? It's like, well, you know, you can try to do a lot of things, but like trying isn't really a music term. As an artist, like a true artist, you're, you're emulating your feelings and emotions <clears throat> through music. And so like, you can't really control your emotions sometimes, right? You feel the way you feel. So that comes out in your music and you just, what you want to do is you want to try to be as authentic as possible um, through your music. And so, you know, people can resonate with that. Love that. Last question for you. Um, cool. Do you have any advice for someone else trying to find their best job? Don't rush the process, right? Everything, even though it might not seem like it is a part of your journey and you need to understand and take the bad with the good. Like you may not be ready for a startup. You may try a startup and it fails, but that's not a bad thing. Like you learn, you have to do things. And so turning tricking yourself into not being afraid of failure. A lot of people are afraid of failure and are afraid to make a career move. Oh, it doesn't pay as much. Oh, you know, like whatever the reason may be, um, you need to take those risks in either in order to shape your, um, your true journey. So like, there's always people that, man, I wish I would have started something. And I've got a friend who, you know, is older than me and he like, you know, worked corporate at Chase. He worked, you know, and he recently quit his job. He's like, I would, you know, have such regret if I never even tried this. He's like, it may not work out. It's hard as fuck. I'm, you know, he's struck. It's, it's a grind. Like, but you know, that's more satisfactory in the end to say that you tried and you did it. You probably will learn twice as much in that one year, maybe even 10 times as much than you would at just one year at, you know, your high paying corporate job. So I would say, don't rush the process. Try and take something from every experience to ultimately get you to a place where you can, you can jump and take a leap. Um, you're never going to be secure. You just, that's, that's part of it. You got to take the leap. The leap is you, you leap into the unknown and there's, it's scary and there's risks, but like, you got to trust yourself and dig through it and know that what is the worst that can happen, right? You go back to your old job. That's the worst thing that can happen, right? You're doing that right now. You're doing the worst thing that can happen right now. Why not try to do something that could be the best thing that could happen, right? So it's just a shift in perspective. I think that's an amazing place to end. Thank you for taking the leap Perfect. and being on the pod, Pat. Yes, sir. Um, I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Happy, uh, happy to join. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Follow our podcast to get the latest episodes of the best job I've ever had.